Welcome to Bootstrappers, a program designed to bring you up-to-the-minute ideas and concepts to understand what it takes to succeed in business and life. Each week, we'll bring you guests and ideas you can't find anywhere else. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. Now strap on those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Hey, hello, American entrepreneurs <laughs> and entrepreneur wannabes. I am the aforementioned Jeremy Aspen, and I am here uh, hosting with uh, Gwen Aspen. Hi, everyone. And what you might notice is that we have the same last name. That is not because we're brothers and sisters. That's because this is my wife. My wife and I have companies together. We run them together. We live together. We have family together. Um, and the thing that we kind of thought about not too long ago, the birth of this this show, is that we always wanted to have good, fun conversation and having it with interesting people. And what better way of doing that than uh, uh, than having a radio show again? I'm, you know, working here with Neil again. We haven't been in this studio together for a long time. We've missed you. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily <laughs> believe in you. I think I had a hard time remi- reminding you who I was when I called up the but idea. I recognized Gwen right away. Oh, right, right. She's good. She's a fun one to look at. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're going to be having some discussions uh, from now on every Saturday here on COIL and uh, published on uh, podcast, videocast, vlogs, vlogs, not vlogs. <laughs> Um, on a regular basis, and we will enjoy uh, having conversations with you and with our guest. Um, today, we've got some uh, some fun conversation. Uh, it's going to be related to HR. We have a friend of mine in the office. Uh, in the office, hey, I'm a businessman <laughs> here in the studio. Uh, Michael Mapes. We're going to be talking about uh, HR and uh, the things that he's done in his life to get to the degree of success that um, he's enjoying right now. And, uh, and then uh, at the end, closer to the end of the show, we're going to go over some best practices. Some uh, uh, We're going to talk about articles. We're going to talk about things that you can do to become a better businessman. and uh, Or a businesswoman. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just I, say. I, I really can't just forget say. to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, so anyway, that is the uh, layout for the day. And uh, Gwen, you had something you wanted to go yeah, over. Yeah, I just had an mm-hmm. interesting experience this week. Uh, and I was thinking about it because we're going to have a radio show, but I was interviewing this girl and every single sentence ended with an up tone. So it was like, uh, I worked at, uh, HP and then I worked at soft tech and it just kind of, it kind of was grading a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, it is. But then it's awful. And and I just noticed it. And she actually was super smart, a super smart woman, had a lot of great experience, very uh, good for the role. But I realized that she did that. And then I thought, do I do that? <laughs> and I actually think that I say that a lot, too. And so I have to work on that lilt a little bit in my own voice. I don't know. I mean, that the... the I don't know how important it is. I, we were having this conversation and trying to sound like you're not who you are. I, have, I think you'd have a hard time changing yourself. Well, and I don't do it. Jeremy was like, I thought that was just a Michigan thing. Don't you all do that? Yeah. But I think so, because your friend Lindsay does it. And she's a brilliant attorney, so I don't know. But, but anyway, it was just one of those things that you notice about yourself after you are annoyed with someone else doing the same thing. So... And I think there's something to it. I think that if you end every sentence with a up 
tick in your tone, valley it doesn't. Girl. Yeah, it sounds kind of valley sounds girl, and it doesn't sound as intelligent as you actually are. That's a little tidbit to take away. That's what we, and that's what this <laughs> show is going is about. We want to, you know, bring up little ideas, little changes, because you're not gonna. There's not one nugget that's gonna change your life. It's going to be a whole bunch of nuggets that you actually implement into your life. And I want to, I want to bring Mike, Michael Mapes. He's, uh, I think I'm not mistaken when I say president uh, of Alliance Group. That's correct. That's a, an Omaha company. It's a PEO. And why don't I just let you tell uh, a little bit about you and your company while we go into this? Well, thank you. I very appreciate that. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. I am We're happy honored to, have to you. be on the inaugural program that you're hosting. <laughs> and a little bit about the Alliance Group is it's everything that I hated to do when I ran other businesses. And when I found out that this was an industry in of itself, I was it was one of those epiphany moments. The other epiphany moment I've had in my life was when I met my wife. We were on a first date. And I proposed to her on that first date. She didn't say yes. Whoa, okay. But this moment, but she did eventually say yes. And we've been married now. <laughs> yes. We've been married now 32 years. Uh, two she'll, days. And she'll say 30 of them were happy. <laughs> 32 of them were happy. The last two have been rough. 32 have been happy for me. <laughs> but the other epiphany moment is when someone explained to me what the PEO industry was and PEO stand and I didn't name this industry I didn't come up with the name it's not it's not one I would choose professional employer organization and I was actually sitting in an interview for a position with this gentleman who owned the company and this is if anyone can remember days before Google this is before Google, so I couldn't really look up or do any research prior to coming into the interview. And at the end of the interview, we were getting along just fine. And he asked me if I had any questions. And I said, I just have one real quick question. What's a PEO? I have no idea what it is you guys do. And he said, well. You're fired already. What we do is we help business owners with HR administration, benefit administration, workers' comp and safety, and payroll. And it just hit me. I said, oh, my God, I hate doing those things. When do you want me to start? I, I was bored. You listing off all the things you did. I just, that stuff for my business, <laughs> I hate it. Oh, my God. So did I. I ran a couple other businesses for other people. And I end up invariably, because I have an accounting background, invariably uh, yeah. I would end up doing these tasks and duties in my free time. And it was nonproductive. But it had to be done. And when I found out this was an industry, it, it forget about it. It was I was going. You know, I am going to do all this stuff I hate. Hook for line other sinker. people. Yes, that's a smart. Well, that's cool. Um, all right, so let's use this as an opportunity to get to the uh, get to the break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit deeper into what Mike uh, has done to get to where he is. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeremy Aspen. Uh, along with my wife Gwen Aspen, uh, we're here with Michael Mapes, and he's the president of of Alliance Group, a PEO, which he was just telling us about. Uh, great, great conversation. And I remember uh, when I was just getting into business, uh, we we short we took as many shortcuts as we could because HR issues are just a pain in the derriere. Um, and, and it's something that you had to do. Obviously, your employees expect certain, like, pay. They, they want to get paid. They want to make sure that you're not shorting them on the hours. 
Um, if you can afford it at the front end, good for you. But benefits, uh, just absolutely overwhelming. Uh, and, and this, I don't mean for this to sound like an advertisement on this, but it is this issue of having um, uh, employees when you're first starting out, especially, is cumbersome. It's confusing. And it's crippling because you're spending so much time on stuff that you, if you're making widgets, you're you're not used to hiring people, sticking with fair, not fair housing, but equal yeah. opportunity. Well, I just want to say, do you remember when we started and we couldn't afford any benefits for anyone? So you wanted to fly. And you, got a di- you got a discount if you got multiple people to fly. So that was your first benefit was yeah. flying lessons. Our first benefit was I hired I hired a, uh, an, an instructor and he started with five of us getting our pilot's license. And so we got a discount We're on like, it. And I, hey, so no health paying, insurance. Yeah. Hey, no, no uh, savings account, but do you want to learn how to fly? So we all got our pilot's license uh well okay so that was a trick and i'm sure not legal now but this is over seven years ago so don't care um the uh but and everybody's doing it right i mean if you're a businessman you know what's happening you're you're skirting every single opportunity you you have to it's a a strategy called flying below the radar fly below the radar and one of those and this has got to be common this is what we did we tried to talk ourselves into making employees 1099 employees. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, everybody so tries that. Everybody at the that we've run into, mm-hmm. um, especially. So this is our property management company, Wistar Group, and we didn't have an infrastructure on on keeping track of PTO or even keeping track of hours, and so we had them invoice us for every job that they did. So it's hard. Anyway, is that something that? You, you run into just switching people over from 1099 fake employees to, to making them actual W-9ers, W-2ers? What's that? We, Who cares? We actually Whatever probably, the last four clients we brought on were exactly that. And one was in the marketing field, and they were all 1099s. One was in the travel agency, which that was kind of a new one to me. And then... These law firms decided to get together. These single-person shops decided to get together and well, let's employ some people. And that's. But you're right. Everyone. There, there's to me the ideal business has three criteria, and I haven't found it yet. So if anyone out there listening can tell me how to find this ideal business, number one, no employees. Number two, no inventory, and number three, nobody goes to jail. If you can find that business, <laughs> I would like to know. Jeremy, pass that along to me. I've when... actually got a couple of, oh, the no jail thing. Yeah. Uh, that's always no, a I've got a couple that fit the first criteria, but the third one just seems to be the, <laughs> so I'm, the I'm, catch. I'm actually curious. So uh, white collar. So white collar industries also deploy the 1099 shortcut? Of course. All right. So They've... is the advice that you're giving, we don't need to get stalted at this point. <laughs> is, is it? I should say, is it a bad idea? Is it a bad idea to do that? Because how does somebody know when they're first starting out what any of that looks like? You can't, you you just really are trying to keep your boots strapped. I think if the question is, is it a bad idea for someone starting out? In my opinion, no. I think it's a smart way to go. Try to avoid getting official employees as long as you possibly can without violating the law. Do I need to say that? Is there a disclaimer here? No, you can even <laughs> tell people to break the law. It's If they do it, there's a problem. Oh, yes, of course. 
But uh, it eventually it will require having employees. And there's an advantage to having employees, too, because now now there's a relationship. And it I think people want to have that relationship, frankly. And so I, that they, and then you get better employees, too, a, a lot of the times. So the people that are willing to work uh, under, you know, 1099. So not all of them. A lot of them are great people. But as they get more involved in your business, they really want to be part of the team in an official way. And to recruit the best of the best, they're going to expect, you know, you know to be I, a real employee. I suppose that's the big gain, right, of bringing on employees. You can develop a team if you're all part of the same team. Having the 1099ers, everybody knew it was a shortcut. No, it, Nobody was convinced that, that, that those employees were actually employees. And even those employees know that you don't really have the leverage. You don't actually get to tell them where to go. You don't actually get to tell them what to do. Um, well, and the other thing, too, if you think about it, is from that 1099 person's perspective is you're not willing to commit mm-hmm. as a business owner. Why should they be willing to commit in return? Yeah, exactly. And so their head's on a swivel looking for the next opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's so I'm, – I'm just trying to think through that. The when we go, we, I go back in time. I we pushed that pretty far, and it wasn't until we what was it QuickBooks or something had some sort of a module where you could track hours, and then so I think we did that for a little while. Recognized that but before too long that I I just don't know what the hell I'm doing on HR. I, I don't know. I had to create spreadsheets. I think for calculating people's hours, and then I had to put their hours in manually. And that just that didn't work very efficiently. Then, then you have to bill for the time. So you have to take those hours, find out how much of that went into a job, and bill that time. It was complicated. When we found out about that, that Mike Mapes could take all of that headache away from us. We well, were and like, that's, yeah, that, sold. And done. that's one of the nice things about being in Omaha. And so our guests right now are, are here in Omaha. Our clients are all over the country, um, but we have access to people that, and, you know, these experiences, like the reason we hired Alliance Group years ago is for that reason, because I, I, it made me hate my job. And I'm not, exa- I, everybody out there who's doing their HR stuff hates the hates it. It's complicated. Well, I've already told you everything. Everybody understands what I'm saying when I say that it sucks. <laughs> and you get to do that's it a, every single a, day. That's a technical HR term you just used. S-U-X. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we want to make sure. You, yeah. Um, so fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's a takeaway for me. Even. So do you get a lot of joy out of making uh, small business owners or even medium-sized business owners like their job again? We That's one of the best things about what we do is we know that we're helping all of our business owners. We know that they're, we're instantly making them more productive and we're reducing many of their employer liabilities. And that's that's fulfilling to us. And we make sure that we tell our staff this because uh, I don't know if any of you have the, uh, the opportunity to work with millennials, but they like to have purpose behind what they're doing. Stupid. And so, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Where did that come purpose? from? Purpose? And but they they see the purpose and they understand the purpose and they and this and that's one of the strong selling points we have as an HR company is very few times when you're an HR professional are you actually mission critical to a company. Everywhere else you work, if you're an HR, you're overhead. 
your overhead. You you know that when it when and if there's cuts coming, that they look at well, what's what's the non-productive work being done here? Well, they always look at the HR people. But at our office, we're mission critical, and that's everything that we're doing, and that's why we can attract the best and the brightest and the talent. But the other thing too about other business owners is versus 1099 versus employees is every business has to compete. Doesn't matter what industry they're in, they're competing. But they're also competing for talent. Mm -hmm. And if you can level the playing field, if you're competing against these larger companies, they've been in business more than you have, how do you compete? How do you sell an employee that they need to come over to you and apply their skills for you when you don't have the same type of HR experience that they have at their company. Which actually, so a listener or viewer right now might be wondering what it is. So what you guys do is you act like the employer. So you have, how many employees do you have? Internally, we have 22 employees. And then, but the, the assignees. Our clients have a little over 4,000 employees. So 4,000 employees. And the, the one of the benefits of a PEO, from what I understand and the, how I got suckered into it, was that you, it's, you start? You get to negotiate larger deals with workers' comp. You get to negotiate with uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and so those savings by acting like a much larger company get passed on to us. And I'll say this: your fee was paid for by our reduction in workers' comp. Well, pretend you're a, a property management company, right? Okay, let me and pretend. Pretend, <laughs> and say I call you up and I have a three flat in a neighborhood and I say, would you would you mind being the property manager for the three flat? And you probably wouldn't run over yourself to get over here to give me a quote, would you? But if I called you up and I said, I have a 600 unit apartment complex, would you mind looking at that? Right. Well, we do the same thing. It's just our inventory is our employees and we're using the size to our advantage. A 10 person shop calls up a health insurance broker and says, I'd like to see what kind of benefits are available. Okay, or a 4,000 employee business calls up and says, I'd like to see what benefits are available. Pretend you're that right. insurance and, and, agent. Which call are you going to return first? And it works. And um, it works. And it works. All right, so after the break, what I kind of want to get into, you mentioned the mission, uh, mission-driven companies or mission-driven millennials. I uh, got a question about that. And also, who, I want to find out who your employees work for, who your clients' employees work for. We'll be right back. All right, let's do a little bit more contributing to your success. Um, so going into the break, we talked a little, before in the last uh, segment, you had mentioned the, uh, uh, actually, I'd like to know first, who do your employees work for? Who do my employees work for? The clients of the Alliance Group, we, we call it co-employment. And whether our clients like it or not, their employees are still their employees. Okay. Yeah, and that, there's some liability issues there that must pop well, up, but that's all been that's that's a story for another day, I suppose. Yes, um, and a lot longer. But mission driven, uh, you, you mentioned that, and, and going into the break, I brought it up. Um, so the theory is that if a company is mission driven, then they're going to be able to attract more millennials, more millennials that are interested in having that mission. Have you ever seen evidence that that might suggest that the employees that are coming onto a mission driven company? charge a little bit less or need less actual money? Are they exchanging one currency for another? Well, it's, it, 
it seems the, what I've seen are the studies out there. And if you can believe what some of the results are of the studies, where they'll ask people what are the top considerations for any job that you're taking. And pay and salary and money is never in the top five. So that's for a what that's away. worth. Mm-hmm. But, but the values of the company, the opportunities for advancement, for growth, for personal growth, the 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 mission of the company, those are all in the top five. Now, if you can, if you want to believe that, you can believe that. If you don't want to believe that, but that's what the studies are saying. Yeah, well, stupid well, science. And, and I would say in <laughs> our industry, Jeremy, in property management, there's a big debate going on as to whether if you grow more doors, if that's really important, because sometimes that doesn't equal more profits. But I would say to retain and to get the best of the best, they need to see growth in unit count in order to yeah. feel like the company is going in the right direction and to feel like this is a ship that they want to be sailing on. Like they've, so they've growth the- is more important with with employee retain, retaining great employees and uh, getting the best talent. Just so that everybody can see that there's a future. Yeah. Right, yeah. So. You want you, <laughs> boneheaded. <laughs> I had a question for Mike. Um, so you've been in business for what, 20, well, 23 years at the Alliance Group, correct? Correct. That's 23 years now. Yep. So right after college. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all made a few boneheaded moves in our careers at some point or another. And I was wondering if you could share a boneheaded move that you think maybe others could gain some insight from. Probably the biggest, most expensive boneheaded move I made was getting the, married does was, not count. Well, that would be my wife's biggest boneheaded move <laughs> she's ever made. But uh, the biggest mistake I made was at the very beginning. I had partners, and I thought we were all reasonable people, and we wouldn't need to have an agreement written up because we're all reasonable people. Mm. That one's probably cost me the most amount of money. Is that right? Yes. How long were you partners with these people before you realized that maybe you had different dreams or different goals or operated differently? Well, actually, the, the, the partners were great. They really were. And uh, I had the world's best silent partner. But my mistake was I didn't put anything in writing. And when it came time, it was about maybe three or four years ago that my wife and I decided we wanted to own 100% of the business. We were very thankful for our silent partner. We had zero money when we started out 23 years ago. He came up with all the money. Very thankful. He's been handsomely rewarded, but he didn't want to leave. And who could blame him? Right. It's working. He was getting a check. And it took a lot of talking and going back and forth and unfortunately then attorneys got involved and then you know how it goes from there but it's a mistake I made at the beginning is and you hear about you always want to start out with a breakup in mind yeah yeah that is probably do not ignore that advice people out there it's a very expensive lesson and you know what I have heard I go to a ton of conventions and talk to business people all the time is that uh, silent partners or people who just aren't invested in the day-to-day operations of a company always think the company is worth way more than it actually is. Shocking. So at any point, a lot of people just don't want to deal with the headache until they want to retire. And then at that point, the silent partner just thinks the company is just worth all this money and they deserve such a big piece of this giant pie. Were you talking to my (laughs) ex-partner? No, it's such a it's a classic business problem, and so um, the the recommendations I've gotten 
not, uh, not that I have a personal issue with this, but from people who've gone through it, is make sure you get that breakup done early before you want to retire. Get it done as soon as possible if you know that that's the end point because it will cost you a lot less than uh, you know when you want to retire, and everybody knows that. Yeah, it's, it's, I suppose structurally it acts a lot like a venture capitalist, uh, except that a venture capitalist is wise enough to know that they need a breakup or they need a, a, a real structure in place. And they always, th- those types of investors always start with the end in mind. Right. And, and ours was seriously, my business plan was two pages and I was asking for $100,000. And it was, I had no reason for asking for 100000 He had no reason to give me 100000 Don't ask me how it worked out. How did that out. work out? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a couple six packs of beer, and next thing you know, I'm getting a check for 100000 Well, I'll tell you what. So if you're working in HR and you're doing all that stuff, like all of us have had to do, trying to recruit and all that stuff, um, that feels like a waste of time. But when you're spending your energy on trying to back out of an agreement with a partner, it lasts you're working on it during the day, you're working on it at night, you're having meetings or dinners with those people because there's a personal relationship. And you're there's, talking to your spouse about it at th- dinner every single night. There's there's stressors that are brought up between the actual uh, social friendship. Um, and then there's, of course, that spouse piece, which you layer on top of this whole thing, you you work with your wife. And I think there's a lot of listeners and viewers that are probably can't fathom or people I talk to, they can't fathom working with their wife like I do. And they can actually fathom working with my wife, but oh my they God. can't, right. they can't fathom, you know, that her, they, that she and I might still get along right. after right. doing that it is, I know you can't say that, that that is a bad idea to work with your wife, <laughs> um, but what it, I mean, it must be working. It must be working really well. You're still doing How it. do you make it work, Mike? Well, it's obviously a, a team approach. One of the things we decided early on, uh, we've been married 32 years, and we've been working together probably 28 of those. 20, 20, oh. I started the Alliance Group, and she was doing something else. And then about three years later, she joined us at the Alliance Group. And we've been working together for the last 20 years. But one of the things we do is we agree that once we're in bed, we don't talk about work. And uh, I'll give you an example. A couple months ago, something was going on. We had to talk about it. So we turned on the lights. We got up, got out of bed, went over to the kitchen table. We talked about it, and then we went back mm. to bed. Mm-hmm. That's a it good just, one. It, that was one of our rules, and we've been able to stick to that one. So that was helpful. Maybe we ought to do that. I and I'm not of, kidding. I yeah. kind of make you not talk to me about it. Yeah, but yeah. We've okay. never made it a we've never made it a rule. But I'm like, no, I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's no. about six seconds into <laughs> she's out. I fall asleep very quickly. Um, okay, all right. Well, thank. That's good. We are. Uh, let's take this last break. I think it's the last break. Um, and we will come back to talk to Mike about a little bit more of the nitty gritty about what he's done to get to where he is. Right back. All right. This is Jeremy Aspen. This is Gwen Aspen. Hey. We're here with Michael Mapes, <laughs> president of Alliance Group, having a discussion with you on this fine day. Um, um, anyway, I was going to, I wanted to kind of continue that conversation with. Uh, about working with your about spouse. About working with your spouse. Because. <laughs> You know, especially, I think a lot of small businesses, they must go through this. To some extent, when you start a small business, when you start your business, whether your spouse works with you or not, 
she's living that life with you. Oh, there, there's, yeah, I had a job. I worked as a pharma rep to pay the bills when we started our business. And every night, every weekend, all we talked about was that business. So even if you're not actively working in it, you're living in it day and, and night. And so my stress would obviously become her stress. And it caused, I, I don't think it ever actually in our case caused us any any problems. No, it never causes problems. But one of my memories is you taking the the midnight calls. Oh, I was bad. <laughs> you were so bad at taking the because we own a property management company, and so uh, at the beginning we had to take all the emergency calls. And Jer, I, I remember saying to you, Jeremy, uh, you are good at so many things, baby, but taking these calls is not one. Of them. <laughs> you are an incompetent a hole when you answer the phone at two o'clock in the morning. So, uh, but but yeah, it's very stressful. It can be stressful working for your spouse. So. Mike, how do you handle stress with your business? Stress, generally speaking, is uh, there would be times, to me, I can tell when I'm stressed when I want to sit at my desk and not do anything. Mm. I'm as soon as, and I'm getting better at identifying when it hits me now. It used to be I could go, I could go for a day, two days, three days without really going to work. Walking around, acting like I'm doing something, but really not doing anything. But then I learned that that was that was how I was handling the stress, is trying to ignore things. And so what I found the best thing for me to do when I sense that I don't want to do anything that tells me I'm stressed, is I write down a list of things that I need to do, and then I do something. I do one thing. I just do some activity. I have to do some action. I'm, wow, I, that that's really impressive that you were so self-aware. Huh. You think self-awareness? It took a couple years to become self-aware. It's a long road oh, to man. self-awareness. Yes. But being a business owner is such a head game. So I think that's the first step is really understanding what you do when you are stressed out and then how to recalibrate to get the ball moving again. Yeah, it sounds like, you're to use modern uh, terminology you are centered that you're getting yourself so you're identifying right now that you're stressed and you know that i think that's interesting. i've never heard that did you pick that up yourself or did you get that from a book you know i don't know that that one i got from a book i've got a I've, the other one that i tried to do is that stephen covey the seven habits book yeah. there's mm-hmm. the the thing that i've been using for years it's very simple that circle of influence and circle of concern uh-huh. mm-hmm and his comment is, if you spend all of your time in the circle of concern, things that are concerning to you, well, then that just means you're sitting there worrying because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. But that circle of influence, that kind of dovetails, maybe that's where I got the idea. The influence means there's action. There's something I can do about it. And so that's where the activity comes from, I think. It could be from that. Well, and it, if you're in that position where you've already identified that there's a problem, one of the things that I enjoy about business is being able to to invent things or create things or change things. And I suppose that once you acknowledge that you're stressed out and you can identify what it is that's stressing you out, it starts to be fun when you have a plan to accomplish the things that you'd otherwise be worrying about. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a problem solving. I, I thoroughly enjoy problem solving and all anyone, all you have to do is start a business and you will have problems, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'll be no shortage. I've started journaling. 
I mean, I might recommend that to people. I do I, a five-minute journal. Oh, you mean one of these? One of those. Look you at that. You mean one of these? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's another. We all journal a little bit. So, this this was my t- the five-minute journal. I don't love it, but it is at least getting me in the habit of being able to identify things that might be stressing me out. Well, that's the thing uh, that you, you first had to notice your feelings, which I don't think any of us really Wimp. particularly like to talk about our feelings. I don't know if you go into business if feelings really are like your top thing, but I have learned as a business owner that I actually have to identify them and know what they are because they do impact so your decision making and you have to be aware of your biases when you're making a big decision. And so, uh, I don't know, going back to the, the feelings and understanding the, how you feel is a big deal. I don't deal. think I was aware of my feelings until I got a teenage daughter. And then I found out that people have feelings. <laughs> A lot of feelings. And then feelings. all of a sudden, I had feelings. So that, that's probably So when. here's what I think. I, I never identified feelings as being something necessarily to take, in, take into consideration. I started reading about cognition and stuff like that. But um, I didn't really – I wasn't able to really identify how important the feelings are until I joined a, an EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization. And in those sorts of forums, you have discussions about your feelings and things that are happening in your life. Because as it turns out, I think the under the undergirdings of the, the why it works is that you may want to separate your life into family and work. You can't. Not, not, as, not as an entrepreneur. It's very difficult. And I don't even know if it's something you should strive for. And I just want to tell a story about us when we first got started working together. When we would hire people, we would say, we will never understand your feelings. We're never going to read between the lines. Just pretend we're autistic because we just don't understand feelings. <laughs> Remember those days? Well, we were so bad. You mean at they, had to pre- no, no. You had to, they had to pretend? See, well, so <laughs> what they had to do was... Uh, communicate. Yeah, we were like, and use your words when you need something I'm because not, I'm not reading your facial expression. Yeah, I can't pick up on your eye roll. I don't know if you're... <laughs> <laughs> that might... <laughs> uh, but those... Um, I think what it does is it teases out communication. Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I don't know what's in your head. And I don't really want to, except for in those areas where it applies to me. And that is my employee's responsibility to let me know. True, when... true. But I do think... Finally, learning about feelings, which we both came kicking and screaming, has made us better, better. managers. Uh, better managers and better business. I people. had a girlfriend years ago that I walked in one time because we lived together, um, and, and she was pouting and wouldn't didn't want to talk. And the thing I remember about the conversation right after that was that she said and was frustrated by the fact that I didn't immediately recognize, with her back turned to me, by the way, that she was upset. Oh. And when I went into the bedroom. So insensitive. And I, th- I, and I had that same conversation. Well, you were mad that she couldn't read, or she was mad you couldn't read her mind. She was mad that I couldn't read her mind. And I came out and I said exactly what you had just mentioned. said, you, I did know what you meant, but I am going to require, I knew exactly what you were feeling, but I'm going to require you to tell me what the problem is before I ever act on it. I was obviously a little sarcastic. And can I tell you one more thing that Caroline and I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sound contrary to what everyone tells you to do and and Carolina started this a couple years ago and and she decided that it's okay to go to bed mad, to go to bed upset, go to bed angry. 
there are so many people who say, well, whatever you do, if you're working together, don't go to bed. If you're upset, sit up and talk about it. Oh, my God. This is <laughs> what you're awesome. We go to bed mad, and then I lean over one way, and she leans over another way, and we don't, you know, whatever. No, it's all night long. Yeah. I wake up in the morning, and sometimes I forgot why I was mad. Yeah. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Mike, we're not super different from that. We have something yeah. called the 24-hour rule where you just – if something hits you wrong, you don't necessarily have to bring it up right away. But if it still pisses you off tw- 24 hours later, then you're obligated to say something because your first reaction isn't always the best one. Or, ha- to your point, having a fight when you're exhausted and you had, like, the worst day ever at work – not necessarily a great time to have a huge fight. So I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, and ours our time is every day at noon, Gwen tells me what I did to piss her off. <laughs> we got it down. Actually, that is so not true. We've deployed it, I don't know, maybe 10 times total. And we've been married for how many? Oh, my God. 15 years. 15. It will be 15 years. Hey, Google, um, tell me tomorrow at 12 o'clock to tell Jeremy he's wrong again. <laughs> That's, it's all, yeah, you should see her calendar. No, no. The you, recurring issues are unbelievable. I do think one other reason that we work well together is that we divide and conquer. So I, Jeremy does not suffer fools well. And so I do the people stuff and you do more of the financial computer stuff. Yeah, we build the pro, I build the products and she, she does the implementation. So having a, and you guys, I think, do that too, don't you? Segregate their workload. I'm not allowed to talk to the employees. <laughs> oh, just like oh, I'm not allowed to talk yeah. to He's the. He's barely uh, allowed to talk to the. Yes, we divided yeah. up our duties. Yeah. Okay, so another takeaway. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, that is the end. That is, we, we, thank you very much, Mike, yeah, for coming in. Um, really fun conversation. Who knew that HR could be anything but boring? <laughs> it, it's, uh, turns out it's actually cool, and it is. Um, it's a trick. It's something. You know, entrepreneurs and people that are thinking about going into business for themselves need to understand um, and need to bring to bear uh, do HR right alright until next week this is Bootstrappers I'm Jeremy Aspen I'm here with my wife Gwen Aspen <laughs> see you next week see ya this has been Bootstrappers a unique presentation designed to help you better understand what makes the world turn. Contact Gwen or Jeremy Aspen at hosts at bootstrapper.club. Join us next time on News Talk 1290 KOIL at our website or download the podcast.